What are you talking about? You just drank half and half, baby. Freeze! Vegan police! Vegan police! Todd Ingram, you're under arrest for vegandy violation. Code number 827. Five and a half and a half. It's bull roar. No vegan diet, no vegan powers. But, but, it's only my first offense, so don't I get three strikes? I mean, take it. At 12.27 a.m. on February 1st, you know only ingested gelato. Gelato isn't vegan. It's milk and eggs, bitch. I'm Griffin. I'm Molly. And we're going into the Superverse. Well, well, well. This week we've got something a little, a little different. A little, a little offbeat. Not really a superhero. Right. But. It felt like we were watching a video game adaptation. It really does. Which is funny because this did get a video game adaptation. What? It's hard as fuck. It is one of the hardest games I've ever played. It's impossible. It actually, well, before we, you know, I digress. I'm going to really get into the weeds there. No, of course, this week we are here to talk about 2010's Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Uh, I feel like a lot of people's... A bit of a misnamer, no more. It's really I Scott Pilgrim versus the Seven X's. Yeah, Scott I, I Pilgrim won't... versus Scott Pilgrim. Hmm. I don't know what the rationale was behind the name because that wasn't the name of the original graphic novels. Those were just called Scott Pilgrim. I wonder if uh, when they were doing the film adaptation, that was brought in front of studio people, and they were like, "That name is not going to do it for us." Because to be fair, it's not you know that on its own is not exactly the most catchy name. I think it's a song title from a Toronto band that inspired a lot of a lot of the, the musical atmosphere from the graphic novels that was then carried into the movie. Um, but yeah, I do have to give a shout out to the game. It's in fitting, very fitting with the aesthetic here, kind of like an 80s styled arcade beat em up type game. Originally came out like right after the movie did. Um, and my buddy Dylan Cuesta Shout out to uh, Dylan Cuesta, friend of the pod. Does not listen. Uh, had it on the PS3 back in the day. It was eventually delisted uh, because the, the rights expired. Uh, but then it came back, and they gave it away for free a while ago. And uh, I did pick it up with him to play it again, and we got one level in, and we were like, holy shit, this is impossible. It's so hard. It's so hard. So, I had no idea. Yeah. Well-made well made adaptation, though. I'll give them that. Just like I think this is a well-made adaptation of the graphic novels, which I did read, uh, but it's been a very long time. I think I read them right after watching this movie for the first time, which I didn't see this, like, you know, in the theaters. Not a lot of people did. It did bomb. <laughs> um, really? Yeah. But it has, like, well. a real, like, cult following, I feel like. For sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, I really, like, have no recollection of the advertising campaign for it, if there was one, or what the reactions around it were at the time. Is it because it's Canadian? Maybe. When did this come out com- relative to um, that other movie? That other one? Well, I, was, I thought you were going to ask about another Edgar Wright movie. I was going to ask about another Canadian film. Big Canadian movies. 
<laughs> it's the Seth Rogen movie. Oh, um, oh my god. Super bad. Yeah, why am I? Why did I blame them? Super bad. Um, Super bad came out a few years before. That was two thousand seven. And currently, I just had to check for myself. Edgar Wright's movie right before this was Hot Fuzz, which also came out in two thousand seven. So I don't. I kind of thought, based on you know, Edgar Wright had had back to back successes with Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. but I guess he's not the kind of person that's doing, like, big box office bangers, although it felt a little bit different. Like, I feel like Baby Driver got a lot of hype. Um, but who can say? That does come a bit of as a bit of a surprise to me because I do think its image has been rehabbed big time. It doesn't feel like it would have bombed. Especially in 2010, like, it's, it's so of its time. Yeah, I mean, it's very, like, it's, kick-ass aesthetic. Yeah. And all those, like, hipsterisms, which were, like, so indicative of of that era, especially, like, that era of music. I don't know. Um, I do think it, like, did, it critically did well at the time, but people just weren't itching to go see it. Um, damn, I feel like we could do a whole, we could do a whole episode of the show talking about box office trends for, I mean, this isn't really a superhero movie, but for, for adaptations. I mean, I think you can. Why can't? Why are you hesitant to call it a superhero? Like people have powers. Well, it is, but you know, it's because like, I don't know. It doesn't. It is a superhero movie, but it doesn't feel like a superhero movie. Well, like yes, sh- they have powers, but the way that it's. Should we get into the fact that our our hero is not a hero? Well, yes. There's there's point number one. The Talk title character. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I think we're rooting for the world. We are indeed rooting for the world. Can you think of another movie where the title character is not, is like not great? Like, uh, you said this when we were talking about this movie with somebody else. And I was like, I feel like, yes, I can. But now I'm really struggling to think of it. Does it have to be, like, literally the title character? Yes. Like, the movie is called yes. their name? I think that carries a lot of weight. Because... Joker. Okay. It's not the same. It's not the same. But we kind of talked about that phenomenon with that movie. Yeah. Hmm. I do feel like there's got to be something else. I mean, maybe not in the superhero genre so much, but I, I feel like that's got to be, like, a, a bit of a, a thing for, like, dramas... Right. Well, but, yeah. Okay. But that's a different sure. that's a different story. But for for this, I mean, if I'm if I'm limiting myself, Hancock wasn't isn't he like an alcoholic? Like, he's like a he's like an antihero. Like mm-hmm. he's like a bad person, but we're still kind of like rooting for him. And I feel like Scott Pilgrim is not quite that. We're rooting for him to move on from his shitty like ways. to mature. Right. Hmm. I'm gonna think about this. But yeah, a very good point. And this is something that we've talked about uh, right after we watched the movie and we, we chatted about it with some other folks because um, there's like a lot of things in this movie that are very much like, as I mentioned, of its time in 2010. But I, I think something that maybe has been kind of viewed a bit differently in the, the 13 years since this has been released was like how people perceive Scott Pilgrim as a character and it's like, like we're talking about, 
I, I do think there's a notion. It's like, here's our lead character. This is our protagonist and we're supposed to root for him. Um, and I, I feel like public perception of this character has like changed from like, for me, I'm willing to bet that when I first watched this movie as like a 16 year old, I didn't really, I think even then I would have been able to be like, well, maybe he shouldn't be, <laughs> he shouldn't be dating a high not, schooler. One be dating a high schooler to not break up with his high school girlfriend when he's like pursuing somebody else. But I, I think, uh, the graphic novels based on, we were recently talking to somebody about this. They like hammered in that point a lot more about like Scott is like really immature and doesn't know how to handle um, like relationships and how to like healthily approach things. You know what this movie reminds me of? Hmm. I think almost like, not quite beat for beat, but very similar is 500 Days of Summer. Oh yeah, I see that. And same with, like, the shift, because I think when everyone, when we all collectively first saw 500 Days of Summer, we're like, oh my gosh, poor Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like, he really got, like, fucked over by Zoe Deschanel, and then rewatching it, we're like, oh no, he's, He's like, the worst. Yeah, he sucks. But did you feel like that the first time you watched it? Did you watch it when it first came out? No, I didn't. I think I, pro- I, the first time I saw 500 Days of Summer, I think I went in knowing, you know, a bit about it. So that was lost on me. I mean, maybe there wasn't that much of a shift for that, but I feel like there was. Hmm. I mean, no, there definitely was because in that they like go back and you see the events, you know, from like not his point of view. You see how things actually happened versus how he imagined them. You know, that's like at the end, it's like, oh, He's like, oh, like, I remember it this way. And it's like, right. no, like, actually, here you go. And it's like, you like, I guess it is in the stuff. movie. I was thinking, yeah. like, it happened after the movie came out. But maybe you're right. I, mean, I can't I, really recall the first time I saw it, so. They do, you know, make a point of that in the film. But I also think that whenever someone does a movie where the lead character is doing not-so-great things, you're always going to get people that are... that interpret the movie as intending to be a propping up of this person. And like, because they're, they choose to focus on them. They're like, well, why are they like glorifying this behavior? It's like, they're not, but I kind of think of it on the same level as people that are like, well, like Martin Scorsese makes mob movies and he's like glorifying the mob. And it's like, well, you actually watch the movie. It's it's, it's showing you why this is not really all that it's uh, supposed to be. So maybe maybe like that on a on a much more subtle level. Um, I haven't seen this movie in a really long time. Um, Same, probably since college. I think I saw at, it at once. least. Um, For me, anyway. But what a star-studded cast! Stacked, and I know that's what we said about our uh, well, one of our recent movies too. We were, su- <laughs> we were very surprised with the cast, but uh, this one we've got good cast and the. Well, and a lot of them got so much more famous, like, in recent years. Right, or, like, immediately afterward, like Aubrey Plaza. We've got, yeah, we've got Aubrey Plaza, Anna Kendrick, Chris Evans, Kieran McCulkin. I mean, he's having his rise and shine right now. I don't know who else. Well, I was, I mean, yes, you. I feel like you named the, the big guns, but Chris Evans. I said I mean, that one. Oh, you did? Of course I said Chris Evans. Sorry. I was uh, 
trying that to find the That was a shock because I had literally zero memory of him being in this movie. Oh, Brie Larson. Oh, of course. I knew Brie Larson was in this. I like kind of remembered. And I kind of remembered Anna Kendrick being in it. I completely forgot about Anna Kendrick. But I thought that Anna Kendrick was a love interest. Like, I forgot about the character, the, the, the actress that played the love interest. Yeah. You know, Jason Schwartzman. Yeah, but th- this was his, like, heyday. Him and Michael Sarah, like, they were already kind of, I feel like, the big names. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Chris Evans was just a few years shy of doing Captain A. Yeah, he was probably shooting Captain America, like, at the same time as this. Which makes it all more befitting, because he's, like, a big movie star. Yeah. But, like, it's so funny. I mean, I guess he had done Fantastic Four by this point, so he had been, like, out in a blockbuster type of movie. Yeah. Because otherwise, like, Chris Evans was doing, like, like shitty rom-coms. Oh, other yeah. than, like, Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. He was not at the apex of his career yet. I even thought that, like, I don't... Don't get me wrong, I love him and what's your number? <laughs> Um, I was just looking at some of the other actors. I, we noted that Brandon Ruth, who played Superman in the 2006 Superman Returns. Oh, yeah. He's in there. He's one of the seven evil exes, uh, the vegan. Oh, and what's her name? May, May, May Whitman. Uh, May Whitman. May Whitman's there. Um, I mean, Allison Pill, she pops up in random places all the time. Oh, right, because she's as in Kim. the band. I don't know the actress that played Knives at all. I think, I don't know what she's been up to. Canadian, you know. Oh, she's in Carrie Diaries. <laughs> um, but yeah, very, very good cast. Greatly enjoyable. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about it on the show too, but it's very, it's very awesome that they're all coming back for the animated adaptation. Also, the best cameo you didn't mention is Robbie from New Girl. Oh, yeah. He wasn't, he didn't even come up on the cast list on Google. Well, that's shame. disappointing. He doesn't deserve that. What's that dude's name, though? I need to remember it because, yeah, of course, over here when we're not watching superhero movies, we've been very busy doing a rewatch of New Girl. And, okay, Nelson Franklin. Is that his name? Is the actor's name. Oh, my God. Of course, his name is Nelson. Nelson. He's incredible. He shows up in a lot of sitcoms. He's like a classic, like, recurring character type of person. And I just love him with all my heart. And I was so excited to see him pop up. In this. Fantastic. He's just so tall. <laughs> He's a monster. And I know you you just mentioned um, Karen Culkin as part of it too, but he is just so great. And it's really funny, you know, He's like seeing the same him not in everything. <laughs> but, you know, like Succession leans so much into him just being like this, like fucking weirdo. I guess it's more like his cadence is so like He has a very unique way of speaking. Yeah, which I'm not like saying that I'm not trying to like criticize him like, oh, he doesn't like change up for his characters. He's just like he has like, yeah, such a specific way of delivering lines that does, I think, come across in a lot of movies. I don't I don't know if this is fair to say because my scope is so limited, but I do feel like the era of having like a lot of big name leading actors who had those specific cadences, you don't really see that much anymore. Like when I think about that, I think about people like Jack Nicholson who have that manner of speaking that would just get carried over to an extent into like every single role that they did. Christopher Walken. Yes, exactly. Right now though, like newer actors, I can't really think of it. Uh, I'm sure I'm wrong. I'm sure there's someone still carrying that torch, but I kind of love it. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like there are actors that have, like, like people do impressions of them because they do have a specific way of talking. Mm-hmm. Like, the one that comes to mind, and I think he's so good at, like, disguising himself in roles, like, you don't see it, but, like, Sam Rockwell, like, he has a really specific way of speaking. Yep. And that, like, people know that impression, even though he doesn't really show up like that in all the things no. he does. Owen Wilson. Yeah, he's a good one. John Malkovich. Like, they, they have these... These things. Yeah, no, Owen's pretty big, but he already, he had his heyday also, kind of. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's never, like, going away. No, but he's, he's been around the block. I believe that he could make it through any, like, cancellation thing. Like, if, I mean, if God, somebody, like, came out I hope him. no one ever does. But. I know, but I just feel like he could, like, ride that wave and be like, guys, I'm really sorry. That would ruin him for me, guys, but I do think you're right. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Luke wow. Wilson's gonna start replacing him and everything. It's not the same. No. Uh, from the jump, I, I really don't. You just said that the last time you watched it was probably in college. I have zero recollection Brett, of you, me, me. Notably, you know, I do remember everything about every movie I've watched and when exactly. That's. Very in character. But I don't know if I've seen this since I was, like, above the age of 18. And I'm just thinking about, like, the age brackets that they're showing off in this movie. They're closer to our age. Well. No, they're not. They're not. We're I still. they said they were, like, 26. Scott's, like, 22. Yeah, you're right. So, but. Also, we're not that so close you know, to 26. That, right. <laughs> so, like, skipping that, that age bracket there, watching this as, like, a 16-year-old I, like, knew people in high school that were, like, dating early 20-somethings. And it was weird. Even yeah. then. It was weird. And, but, you know, you had people in high school that that was, like, oh, like, I'm dating, like, someone older. It's so cool. Like, right. Knives is. It's, like, kind of, but not really, cool when you're in high school. It's not cool when you're 22. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Like, I cannot imagine being 22 and, like, one of our friends being, like, I'm dating a 17-year-old in high school. I'd be, what is wrong with you? Like, that, like, how Anna Kendrick is talking to him, being, like, is this, like, <laughs> is this, like, another, like, grievance thing for after <laughs> Envy broke up with you? Or, like, what is going on? I feel like it would be handled the same way that his friends are. They're just, like, making fun of him. But, like, it's so, I mean, I guess, like, Scott, it just, like, you know, just off his shoulders. But, like, good lord. Also, like, for better, I mean, not not to, like, excuse it, but they're not doing anything, which makes it a lot better. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's 100% true. But, like, God, just on the principle of it, like, what the fuck? He's just also, like, so into himself mm-hmm. that, like, it's, it's more the fact that he's just, like, not a good boyfriend mm-hmm. is, like, the more, like bad part that they're showcasing at least yeah he's very self-absorbed he never like it it seems like in his past relationships does not you know he's not transparent about why he wants to end things he just like does it or doesn't even like say anything because who are we talking to about this about like him and like kim and how the graphic novels our friend dylan radcliffe right 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 and he said that the graphic novel went into more detail 
on like when they broke up, which they it was like a high school relationship, and it was like he just like kind of ghosted her. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that 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 seems about right. Um. Not, not well adjusted for relationships, but just wants to be in them constantly anyway. Not a very healthy behavior. Um, who did the music? Are they like performing it? Because I think it sounds great. Are uh, you t- like the Battle of the Band stuff? Battle of the Band, oh, even when they're like rehearsing, like their band sounds fun. Yeah, it's just like cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna look into this for a sec because I saw that like. Beck worked on it. Oh, okay. So Beck did write the songs, uh, which that's pretty cool. But the uh, the songs themselves were performed by the actors. That's, they they played everything. That's very fun. I also my recollection of this movie is that it was way more about the music, and I thought that there was like more like fights with the music. Like I had this like image in my head of well maybe it's because of the cover. Of him, like, holding the guitar. Yeah. But, like, I feel like there's, like, this scene in my head where, like, he's, like, playing and it's, like, like, graphics are coming out of, like, the instruments, like, of, like, music that looks like the kapow and things like that. Hmm. Like, I have this, like, very distinct image in my head. I'm, like, maybe it's from something else, but I just have this, like, I just thought that there was more, like, fighting with, like, the music and stuff. Yeah, I mean, they only have a couple of the, like... They have, like, the bass battle and stuff, but not that. That's, like, not what you were thinking of. I mean, maybe it was a little bit that. Like, I don't know if I'm thinking of one specific thing. But, yeah, I guess I thought there was more of that. Sure. I mean, I like get that it. that was the majority of the movie. It feels like there should be. All I could think about, like, so much of the, the music part is focused on the battle of the bands. And I'm like, anyone IRL that has ever played in a band knows that battles of the bands are just fucking scams. They are such a waste of time. I played in a band for a year, maybe, and we got, like, multiple offers to, like, play in them at local venues in the Baltimore area, and it was always, like, the worst thing. It was, like, you you pay to play, and you, like, have to hound everyone that you know to, like, buy tickets, because otherwise you're going to be on the hook for, like, hundreds of dollars. What? You have... You're, like... It's so stupid. It's so stupid. And I, I... Wait, what do you mean? Like, how are they charging you for if people come or not? Isn't that their job to get people to come? I get that the bands would have to pay to participate. Hmm. You know, maybe I'm a little... I know that that was a thing when you would play at venues in general. They want to, like, have a guarantee of a certain number of people coming. I feel like what I just said is probably not correct. I was just, I can't remember exactly why it was so. Well, I'm sure it's like not worth it. Like however much you're spending, like who's really coming to those things? Yeah. It's just other bands. I do think some of them were, were like actually pay to play. Yeah, um, I'm yeah, I'm sure. So the, that, that makes sense to me. So you like... You're like, okay, we want to enter. You pay the venue, like, however much to, like, get a spot. And then they're like, okay, well, you're in charge of, like, advertising this, basically. They'll put it out as an event, but it's like, oh, get your friends and family to come. Um, But they don't, they'll keep that money. And they'll just have, like, a small pool set aside for the winner. And it's just, it's not, it's not great. 
and in the chance that like the winner of the Battle of the Bands actually gets something like a contract for this, like Gideon's, you know, it's like super sketchy and you probably don't want to go anywhere near it. So I guess in a way this this all was a warning story about Battle of the Bands. Battle of the Bands is really just a tool for movies. School of Rock. Yeah. The classic. I mean, yes, and that's where it's to stay. Um, I forgot that it was a Canadian movie, and when they're like, oh, she's American, I was like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> is that exotic now? Um, I know that we both felt very hip having gone to Toronto earlier this year and being able to recognize some of these spots. The castle? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to, going to Casa Loma later. I was like, wow, we've been there. I've walked down those steps that Lucas Lee did a grind down and then exploded from. Why am I forgetting Kieran Culkin's character's name? I don't know what his name is. Oh, it's Wells. It's W.W. It's something... Yeah. Wes Wells. Something Wells, I think. Damn. I don't get up. Wallace. Wallace Wells. I think it's funny that they share a bed. <laughs> so, they, they had four people squeezed in there at one point. I was pretty impressed. Those were all very funny beats. <laughs> One of the few things that I, like, remembered very clearly from this was Knives coming to their apartment and Scott diving out of the window in the back. <laughs> but I forgot that he came in and did it again. I think this style of movie is so unique where it's, like, really quick cuts and then there's, like, dream sequences and... What does that word say? Hmm. Animation. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I love it, and it reminds me of the, like, first episode of Captain, not Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel, that was really playing around with that stuff oh, yeah. in the background, and you could just tell that, um... But that, like, quick cut thing, they don't, people don't do that anymore. No. That feels like it's kind of of its time, too. Very snappy. Maybe, I, I could see it, people not liking it, because it's almost, like, too much. But I think it worked really well for this. It worked for this. I would not like it in a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, shoot, what was I just about to say about... I don't know. The I totally style. lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. I guess I was streams. just going to chime in. And uh, I, I agree. I think it, it brought so much personality to it. And I know that, uh, like Sin City, they went out of their way to be, like, very faithful to, like, the comic style. There's, like, a moment where, like, the characters are, like, animated... Like, you see, like, the animated version yeah. of, like, Ramona, and that's, like, exactly what it looks like in the graphic novel. I thought that was really cool. Um, something else that I just had to note that I couldn't see a lot of other movies doing uh, is when they have the Seinfeld music I was, playing. That's my next note is the Seinfeld sting. That is so funny. Because <laughs> I, I completely forgot about that. So when well, it starts yeah, it's doing like a small boom, thing. Boom, I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then they, like... Kept it for like a minute and did like the laugh track and stuff. I was like, what is happening? I thought that was so funny. So good. Like all in on just like that little bit. I think it was my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Understandable. It's fantastic. I thought that Brie Larson as Envy sounded so good. I was like, I like am really into this song. Yeah. You said it's a cover though, right? They didn't. Yeah, that's a song by the band Metric, who have been around for a while. I used to have one of their songs in my iPod Classic back in the day. Um, and that version was, like, 
you know, yeah, Brie Larson sang on it for the movie. Uh, but when the soundtrack album came out for Scott Pilgrim, it was the version that like metric did originally. And then people were like, we want the Brie Larson version. So they did release it on its own eventually. And I think it's, I think it's more popular than the original version. It sounded really good. I mean, I don't know the original, but yeah, I don't actually think I've ever listened to the original. I'll have to, I want to kind of do a side by side now, but yeah, I mean, it was great. And I don't, I wonder how much of a role, um, the musical ability played in casting these actors because I haven't seen anything else that Brie Larson has done that involved music since then, but it's like, she's a great singer. Can't believe no one else. I feel like she has done other stuff with music, but I don't know what I'm surprised. Like Anna Kendrick never sings. She's about (laughs) to become huge based on singing. I think that came out the same year as this. What? I thought it was 2012. The first. Oh, you're right. I thought the first perfect was a little bit earlier, but yeah, totally. I mean, her part was bit, bit, yeah. bit part. I was also entertained. With, I, I always think it's funny when there's, like, two actors that are relatively close in age, but they, like, swap them for older, younger sibling. This actually just happened on New Girl, where Linda Cardellini is playing Zoe Deschanel's younger sister. No, she's older. She is older? She's the okay, older never mind, sister. that makes sense. I was but, like, there's no way that she's, like, older. But or, yeah. Anna Kendrick is older than Scott is at this point, and she's supposed to be playing, like, the, like, four years younger than him. I was like, at this point, like, it doesn't really matter, because all those actors were, like, in their, like, early to mid-twenties anyway. Right. So, what else are you going to do? But, um, They both look so young. Michael Sarah and Anna Kendrick. Yeah. Michael Sarah is, like, only, like, just now starting to not look young. Like, you know, he's got, like, a beard, which is really weird to see. Good for him. But, uh, you know... I also really got to give him credit for, like, how long he's, like, kept his career going. I feel like he had that kind of thing going where a lot of people were like, well, as soon as he, like, kind of ages out of, you know, having that, like, look. He's but not what has be he to... been in recently where he's actually been playing an adult? Uh, <laughs> that's actually a really good question. He was in um, something recently that... Uh, we didn't watch, but I was kind of surprised because... I feel like he does, like, voice stuff. He definitely does voice stuff. But, you know, he was, you know, Barbie. Oh, right. <laughs> but even that, like, well, that makes sense for him. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, yeah that's true. Other than that, about... I don't feel like I've seen him play an adult man in a lot of stuff. Yeah. He was in... Oh, I thought there... Oh, he was in Twin Peaks. Uh, like when they brought that back a couple years ago, I think he was just playing an adult there. But who can say? Yeah, but Twin Peaks is like weird. Yes. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. Um, I said this at the top, but I do feel like, in general, it it definitely feels more like it was a video game than superhero because they've got like the points every time, and then he gets the extra life and like all that video game stuff. So I'm like. It's definitely more of that, and like the fighting, yeah. And like, you always have to play the boss three times. Yep, that's what happened. Just a real fake out. We confirmed that with Spider-Man Two. Yeah, all the meters, uh, the one-up that Scott gets. Yeah. Yeah, very specifically like arcade game style, which is very fun. 
makes me wish that there was an arcade nearby that was not a Dave and Buster's. Alas. Man, I really don't have a lot of notes for this. Um, but another bit that I really greatly enjoyed was the vegan police. Oh, yeah, I forgot I mean, about that. Just classic. With two, like, uncredited cameos from uh, Thomas Jane and Clifton Collins Jr., who are two people that just, like, will occasionally pop. Thomas Jane, you know, the original Punisher in the movie that came out in the mid-2000s. Um, really funny to just see them there. No idea how that ended up happening, but um, that was good. And I'm like, damn, only, if only you could actually get superpowers from being vegan. I might just have to do it. You would? If I, if I had superpowers, sure. Yeah, I would too. Seems like it would be worth it to me. <laughs> but pretty harsh if you fail. Well, you know, he, uh, he was, was it only two strikes? Or had Three. he, had, oh, because he ate the chicken, unbeknownst to, to Envy. And then was there, oh, gelato. Oh, this is the gelato. Yeah. It's milk and eggs, bitch. That was all my notes, to be honest. Yeah, I, I don't. Hate to say it. I don't. I don't have a ton, but uh, I'm gonna give that. There's like, there's always a couple reasons why I might not have any notes for a movie. One of them is that I'm bored and I don't care anymore. Oh, I wasn't like, bored. I'm not. I'm not saying that that's why. I'm giving reasons why this has happened before. If the movie sucks and I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'll just talk about how I didn't like it on the show. But we're the one like this, where for the last like. 30, 40 minutes, I was just, like, into it. So I wasn't really thinking about taking notes. I was just vibing and enjoying. And that was that was the case. Yeah. This was good. Um, and I think that if you are someone that hasn't seen it in a really long time, um, definitely check it out again because I do think it holds up. Maybe it's under, like, a different lens nowadays versus people that were watching it back when it came out. Uh, but I also think it warrants a revisit. Especially before the Netflix animated series comes out. That's kind of why we watched it. Yeah. So. so again, we will be covering that too. I think that's going to be coming up sometime in January when, yeah. the, when the series is over. Although it's going to be Netflix so it all comes out at once. When we're ready, okay? Yeah. But uh, yeah. Mm. Uh, this, I, I'm so I'm shocked that this episode is so short because... I feel like we, we were talking for a while. This Justice League movie that we watched last week that was like 40 minutes long. We're hitting 35. Well, I mean, I'm not, I don't feel the need to pad it out. We got real but... deep on character, you know, stuff. We did. 500 Days of Summer, New Girl. What else do we have to cover? I know. I've been through it all. But I definitely, uh, before the animated version comes out, I'll probably try to read the graphic novels again. Very curious to see um, what the adaptation is like. Because I, I think that their their plan is to do it even more sure. um, one-to-one, you know. Obviously, that's a bit, easier, bit easier when you get to do it through animation, but who knows? Everyone's coming back, you said, right? As far as I know. Let me uh, give us a bit more time on here. Because, I mean, a, a lot of these actors, like the guy that played young Neil, uh, he has not really had, like, a career explosion like some of these other people did afterward which is a shame but then again he wasn't doing too much as much as I enjoyed his character although he really shouldn't have gotten together with with knives come on man but he's young he is his name's young, but, young Neil but how young 
Yeah, I mean, as far as I can tell, everyone's everyone's back. Wonder how they're all gonna sound. How they sound? They were all adults. Yeah. It's not like their voices are changing. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we'll we'll have more info on that when we get there. But uh, yeah, I think that that probably does it for this. Okay. Shocking. Um, as noted before, we got some like wild old school shit coming up, but of course you can expect to hear from us about the current Marvel Studios stuff. Um, we'll be releasing our episode on Loki season two next week, the one on the Marvels after that. And, uh, we have to slot it in on the calendar now because they announced Echo and that looks amazing. And that's dropping, um, sometime in January all at once. So can't wait to, to watch that and talk about it. As always, uh, we've got stuff on our calendar that is obviously, you know, for our eyes. But if anything else, <laughs> anything else is out there that we haven't mentioned, that we haven't indicated that we're going to talk about, uh, maybe stuff that's more like on the outer edge of what we do, um, let us know. We're always open to suggestions and we want to watch some new shit. So let us know. Until next time. We are Out, out of the, the Superverse. superverse.